I've not thought this out extremely well. Okay. But I got stuck and fixated on an idea. All right. That I would like to pursue. Whether it goes somewhere or not, I think it's I think it's gonna be fun. Okay. Do you have your field recorder? I have my field recorder. I think we should turn it on. All right. Are we going somewhere? Do I need to put socks on? Well, yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Well, you might want to wear socks. Downstairs? Do you set stuff up downstairs? <laughs> I didn't really... Set up is the wrong word. I set up my ideas. Me and Adam are going into the basement now. Adam doesn't know why. I basically don't know why either. <laughs> Am I going to get kidnapped? <laughs> no. You won't get kidnapped. So me and Adam have this, like, not-so-creepy modern basement. Cement floors, brick walls, some drywall here and there. It's not pretty, but it's great storage space. And... I think it's a little creepy. <laughs> it's a little creepy. Like, there's some creepiness to it. Adam? Um... <laughs> There's nothing creepy happening down here. No, just a lot of bikes. There are a lot of bikes. Adam, there's a fold-up chair. Thank you. Um, again, I hope this isn't super creepy, but I wanted to do this, and I, I'm just rolling with it. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask one straightforward question before we decide on a rule. So we're in the basement, and the reason we're in the basement is to discuss a certain aspect of everyday life that I was just fixated on today. Okay. Do you know what it is? I do not. Darkness. Okay. I'm going to turn out the lights. <laughs> oh, no. Are we going to do this in the dark? <laughs> if I can't see your face, don't hold the mic up to it, though. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. I can faintly see. Okay. All right. The story that we write today has to start in complete and utter pitch black. Oh, no. Okay. I was, I was just thinking about darkness and black and, like, what those things mean typically in, in our world, in our society, in history. <laughs> this is what I actually think about at work. But I decided that I wanted to, like, seclude ourselves in darkness. At first, I thought that maybe we should go, you know, build a blanket fort. <laughs> Well, I would build a blanket fort and then, like, invite you in. But I realized that it was just too personal. <laughs> yeah, too that is intimate. pretty. That that is pretty intimate. So what I what I decided on was basement. Um, yeah, and I'm uh, <laughs> I'm I'm feeling cold and scared. This feels like the first episode of a reality TV show called Cold and Scared with Adam Ganong. <laughs> so does darkness scare you? No, being cold does. I don't like being cold. You don't like being cold. Fair nah. enough. You can use it in your story. Um, um, I think it's safe to say that you should come up with the second rule based on what you know now. How creepy I am taking you to the basement. Okay. So, <laughs> Philip, there's this idea of something called purple prose, which we both know about. I'm going to describe it, though. So, it's when you write, you be as flowery as possible. Um, and you're being... Not necessarily poetic, but you know what I mean when I say being kind of over the top with how you're writing. So for this, we must write in purple prose. Okay, let's go upstairs and come up with the last one. Okay. 
So me and Adam are back from the basement. We are back. All right. Here are the rules. So the first rule is this story must begin in darkness. The second rule is we must write in purple prose. And the third rule is that there must be a discrepancy. So what are we thinking of for this? I think that beginning in darkness leads to a lot of different scenarios. Yeah. Like I said, is it that their eyes are closed? Mm. Is it that it's night? Is it perhaps that some person is in a hole in the ground or in a cage or maybe they're just in their room and the the blinds are drawn. They like passing it dark. through a train tunnel. Passing through a train tunnel. There's a lot of ways. I like passing through a train tunnel because there's action. Yeah, that's true. It's not devoid. It, <clears throat> it's that situation is not void of action. Mm. A lot going on. One of the main things I thought of when you said it began, it could even last for one line is um, imagine a surprise party and someone oh. has a thing. It's called blindfold taken off their face. Um, or that even made me think it'd be interesting if it began with a pinata. Man, I like those examples, especially the uh, surprise, like someone has their eyes covered. Then suddenly it's revealed that they're surrounded by all their friends, their loved ones. It's a big emotional, like it's a super emotional moment. Yep. And suddenly you have your vision back and you see all these good things. The point I was getting to is gone. Where is that? Oh, yeah. And then you could have everyone cheer your name, like the main character's name. It's a great way to introduce a character. But there's a discrepancy. Adam. Oh, yeah, because that's a that's a really interesting way to describe a character, because how they react to to a surprise party will tell you a lot about the character. No, it could happen. What? This is a really short story. So person's eyes are covered. It's revealed that they're at a surprise party. Everyone cheers the name. Um. Leanne. Leanne. And then in not like a cheer like that, like not a chant, like a Leanne, happy birthday. (laughs) You know, everyone's yelling, yeah, happy birthday. And then the person's inner dialogue says, Oh, Leanne. Oh, that's the reverse of an idea I had. That's great though. Who are they, Philip? Well, it could be that they they are themselves, but they have Oh, I keep going to the medical diagnosis. (laughs) What? I've got what I've got something to add on to this. So there's two things. So the first thing um, that I find interesting about this is I like the idea of how a character would respond to a surprise party. Have you heard the Reply All episode about the Berenstain Bears? Yeah. So there's this phenomenon, which I will now explain. You already know about it, where some people report that in their lives, there are suddenly these insanely small discrepancies that happen and they have no explanation for why they happen. And it'd be super interesting. So imagine this. I'm going to use Leanne because we've already said her. Leanne's boyfriend says in his cheesy French accent, oh, yes, you know, I can't, I'm not going to do a French accent. Why did you? You know, um, I've got, there's something I've got to do. I'm going to put, I just had it in because it made it more interesting. It's all good. Could have put this blindfold on. Puts a blindfold on her face as he puts it on. She's looking into his brown eyes. And then he slowly leads her up the stairs and then she can hear people and she's thinking, oh, no, it's a surprise party. And then he takes it off and she knew it was going to be a surprise party and everyone yells surprised and she's in shock, not because of the surprise party, but her boyfriend's eyes are now blue. Oh, that's really good. That's sort of what I imagine. Like. 
Oh man, we're gonna write like the same story. We could. I mean, that that's totally fine for us to do. The fourth rule is we must write the same story, <laughs> word for word. Um. So, and we narrated. <laughs> so, um. Oh, we narrated in in unison. I actually came up with a very similar. <laughs> I love that we both paused there. Like, should we do that? <laughs> <laughs> is this a good idea? Um. I came up with a very similar idea, uh, but the blindfold, when it's put on and tied tight, she's led up to the party. She might not even know what it is in, in my scenario. She might be unaware that there's a surprise, but something happens between the blindfold being put on and, and being taken off. Not necessarily creepy, but something she can't explain. It's that she has a vision. Oh, Okay. Almost like an out of body experience. Yeah. And then she's brought back to this earth by, you know, people like yelling surprise at her and she's confused at first. And then she's like, so it looks like a normal reaction. But then later she's telling her husband, she's like, something weird happened. I don't know how to explain it. Oh, interesting. I think already you can, maybe, maybe you don't agree, but I think the darkness has set us off on a tone that we didn't expect. Yeah. You agree? Yes. Maybe it was something about sitting down there in the dark. I don't want no. these stories to be creepy or no. I kind of want them to be. I don't know. Maybe it's just my idea. I have a very I have a very stereotypical, stereotypical view of darkness. You know what? Let's let's roll with that feeling. Um I've also got to do a quick disclaimer, the eyes being a different color. That's something I've used before in another short story. Maybe I'll even link that short story. I just wanted to say that that's not a completely original idea. I just thought it fit well with the idea of discrepancy. I recall. Oh yeah. Have I told you about that story? Is it this? No. Uh, no, that's that is what's what I mean. Eye color. No, it's another one. I, I think you'd really like this story. I like eyes. I enjoy eyes, yeah. You collect eyes? No. Heavens, no. Then who's collecting Teeth. all those eyes? <laughs> Where are all these eyes coming from? <laughs> May I offer one up? I yeah. do like the one you just said, but I just have this idea. It's not dark and creepy. Okay. Imagine that you are sitting in complete darkness and you're just wearing a hospital gown. And then all of a sudden, as if like at first it's a pinhole and then it slowly grows and grows and suddenly your vision comes back to you and the bright and it's overwhelming and what's happening is you're gaining the ability to see again and i could not see before before this you were blind so you're sitting in the hospital and they've just come up with the miracle solution for your particular blindness and suddenly you can see how does your life change that's a good question i guess it depends on who you are i hope you don't hate that <laughs> just throwing ideas around i like that idea Train tunnel. Coming out of a train tunnel. Yeah. I like that one a lot. The short tunnel. The emergency light. Like, the lights aren't even on. And suddenly, you're sitting across from a beautiful person, and then they were chewing gum, now I'm chewing gum! <laughs> I forget what film that's in. That's totally in a film. <laughs> I think it's a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a commercial. A risque commercial for Juicy Fruit. Um, Another... This is really sci-fi-ish, but it goes, goes into a train channel. 
And then you come out on the other side of the train tunnel and it's another era. It's funny. What? <laughs> In the moments of silence when you are thinking, I don't. Oh. You know that? Just take a break? Yeah, because I'm not very good at coming up with ideas. Yes, you are. Or else we wouldn't have this podcast. I'm not good at coming up with ideas in the way that you come up with ideas. I, my brain plays this association game. Right. Where the neurons are jumping around and they're like... As oh, neurons are known to do. As they're known to do. To really... Things that typically don't connect, connect sometimes for me. Yeah. And I think that's all that ideas are for me. Yeah. It's this weird thing where like when you pause to think, I can't. I just sit there with a blank, blank mind. So the way that I think is similar to that. But imagine me. Have you seen old movies where you've got the phone operators and they're sitting there and they've got the huge switchboard in front of them? And they patch people through. So they plug one end of the patchwork into Wisconsin. They plug the other end into Idaho and it connects the call. That's what I'm like. I'm the operator sitting there going, hello, hello, can anyone hear me? And then I take one end of Jurassic Park and plug it in. And then I plug the other end into space opera. I'm like, hey, is there a connection here? Can I hear anything? And if something comes out, I'm like, there we go. I got an idea. That's just how I come up with ideas. That's all I'm doing. I'm just sitting here. Taking darkness and plugging it in, be like, hello, train station, can you hear me? Oh, going through a train tunnel, you say? That's a good idea. That's how I think. <laughs> can you always use that voice? <laughs> that's my, that's actually my normal voice. This is my performance for life voice <laughs> to make people think I'm norm, normal. But in reality, that's how I speak. That is my uh, inner voice. That's how I speak to myself. I think we're just out of, about out of time for brainstorming. Um, do you have any more stuff to toss out? I don't even know what I'm going to do yet. I don't know what I'm going to do yet either. Um, you know what? Let's just go right and then we'll come back. So just to let you guys know, if you had any different takes on the prompts, the way that we interpreted them, please let us know. Uh, tweet them to us at the rules podcast, or you can email them to us at the rules podcast at gmail.com. Or if you're a part of our Facebook page, go post it there. And if you're not a part of our Facebook page, go like our Facebook page and post it there. Also, we are going to write stories. And if you guys have written any different stories based on our prompts, we would love to hear them. Email them to us and we will take a look at them and we might even use it in a future podcast episode. All right, we'll be right back. I blink to make sure my eyes are wide open, and they are. I keep them as wide as I can, staring at nothing, but looking for something, something I have seen before. Laura, what are you doing in there? Are you ready? A wave of realization washes over me. I can feel my tingling fingers. I can feel my hot breath rising upward, gently warming my nose. I'm breathing heavily, slowly. Each breath moves the clothing that surrounds me on all sides. I can feel the familiar itchy flannel shirt my mother bought me, touching my entire right arm. And to my left, an old dress I wore to Sunday school in the seventh grade grazes my hand. I could have been standing there for an hour, watching. I couldn't tell how long. Come on, supper is in 20 minutes. I expect you to be dressed and ready to leave in five minutes. Do you hear me? 
I avoid answering until I hear my mother's hand slowly twisting the doorknob on the other side of the closet door. Fine, I'll be ready in five minutes. I can hear her pull her hand away and storm out of the room. Maybe she doesn't want me standing in the dark, looking blankly into space at nothing. I open the door, walk out, and look back into the tiny closet. It's barely big enough for me to stand up right in. I know it must look weird, but I don't care. I have to figure out what's going on. It started last Friday when I was walking in Greendale Park. In the city, it is hard to find spots like Greendale Park. For one thing, there are almost no people there ever. And for another, there is no light pollution. Somehow, the big willow trees keep it dark all year round. I always walk through this one spot where it's especially dark, because I like to let my eyes adjust so I can stroll slowly and look around at the trees at night. But on Friday, it was different. The forest was darker than usual. Well, it's always dark, but that night I couldn't see anything. I did what I always did and stood on the edge, stared into the darkness, and waited for my eyes to adjust. I waited for a long time. It felt like five minutes or more. And then, I saw shapes. It was like an old film projection, dancing lightly and gracefully across the black void all around me. The images are always the same. The first time was the same as the four times after that. At first I thought it was ghosts, but now I wonder if it's just some forgotten memory playing itself on repeat, like people that dream the same dream night after night. Three young girls dance on a lawn in front of me. I think the one with the yellow ringlets on her head is me. I find that she looks a bit angry, though the first time I saw it I thought she looked a bit nervous. The other two girls are smiling widely and skipping around her, and finally she joins in unhappy at first, and then she starts smiling too and dancing. Laura, stop daydreaming. Jim has the car running. Are you dressed? Mom's muffled voice comes through the door into my room. I'm standing thinking about the three smiling faces. Each time I look into the darkness, I see them. In the park, in the garage, then in the hallway of the high school, and now in the closet. It doesn't matter where I am. The memory is with me. I'm coming, I'm sorry, I yell out. I begin grabbing socks and pulling my jeans on I'd thrown in the corner. I don't know what the vision is. I guess it has something to do with my childhood. Maybe it's something I blocked out, or maybe I'm just seeing things. I button each button of my cardigan as my mind wanders. I can see the little girls spinning around and around, giggling with no sound, smiling and frowning on repeat. And I wonder, is the girl in the middle really me? Or maybe it's just who I used to be, just another forgotten memory. I turn off the light as I open the door to the hallway. For a moment, the room is dark. And then, as if on command, it lights up in beautiful bright color. A smile creeps over my face as I spin my way out of the bedroom and down the hallway. Dark. I liked the word. Liked the idea. It was comfortable and cozy. I could still hear the sound of the train pushing forward, pulling each of us closer to our destination, us being unable to stop. Like time pressing on, bringing us closer to the next big destination, 
marriage, promotion, death, light. It blinded me at first. I blinked once, twice, thrice, and the world went from its blurry, distorted shapes to the clear images of the interior of the train. I looked down at the woman I had given my seat to. She met my eyes, and we smiled at each other. She was old and frail. She had a crisscross of lines and wrinkles on her face that let the world know that she had lived and she had seen. Those lines can tell so much about a person. The smiling crow's feet around her eyes told me that she was happy. I see you're reading, she said. Her voice was warm, like toast fresh out of the toaster. Oh, yes. I'd forgotten about the paperback I'd tucked neatly under my arm when I'd gotten up. I looked down at the battered, yellowed, and well-loved pages. It was my favorite novel. I read it almost once a year. Every time I got on the train and pulled it out and started reading, guilt descended on me. Like that old friend you bump into once a year in the frozen food aisle at the grocer's. The guilt was that maybe I should read different material, expand my horizons. But as soon as I opened the cover and dived in and let the rich world envelop me, hug me and hold me close in the way only the nostalgia of a favorite novel can, the guilt was quickly abandoned. The guilt was abandoned as I quickly shuffled by the old Fred, head down like I hadn't seen them, and headed to the checkout. What is it? she asked. It's called Though Dreams and No Death. Oh, I know that one, she said, her eyes dancing. She almost stood up out of her chair. I read it many moons ago. I loved it. Oh, what's that line? She furred her brow in a pensive way. Then, channeling the protagonist and drawing in her chin, as we all know is necessary to do a good, deep male voice, said, Daisy, I cannot guarantee you a life of carefree love. I am but a man. But I tell you one thing. You will never be lonely, and you will never be bored. Yes, I laughed. That was spot on. Just hearing the words quickly drew me into nostalgia. The dancing in the woman's eyes now turned into a full ballroom extravaganza. She beamed, quite proud with her memory and performance. Oh, I'm quite glad to see you young people reading these books. What was the author's name? Y.P. Fitz? Close, it was Y.K. Fitz. Are you sure? Yes, I'm quite sure. It says it right. I held the book out to show her the name, blazoned there in that most honest of mediums, ink. But as my finger found its mark, I found myself pointing at the betrayer of the alphabet, P. Aha, it is a P, she said. I laughed in an odd, broken way to hide my surprise. I could have sworn it was a K. How odd. I admitted defeat and reached my hand into my pocket to retrieve my phone. I had to text Ellen about this. As I reached my hand into the pocket, as though prompted by the gesture, I felt my phone buzz. I pulled it out. It was corporate office. I drew in a deep breath and sighed. I hated talking to them. Fifteen years ago, I had rejected a job offer to move to a similar role in another branch in Chicago. I'd been railroaded since then. I stayed at the company because I loathed the juggernaut of change, but I was seldom happy. Every conversation with management was like pulling teeth, pulling teeth in a dead-end job. I hit the answer button. Hello? Johnny, you coming in? We need you, bud. Big things happening and we need you at the helm, steering the project and keeping everyone focused on our values. Excuse me? Come on, Johnny, you're the best head of product development we've ever had. I know you like to take Tuesday off, but we need you in here as soon as possible. 
I'm confused. <laughs> Just come in, okay? Click. I stood there in shock, for a moment trying to take in what had just happened. My sight became whole again, and everything became clear. The blurry images in my mind of a dead-end job became focused as the glacier that seemed to have encased my cognitive abilities melted away. Right, of course, how could I have forgotten? I had taken that job all those years ago. I had worked my way up, and now I was a lead of product development. I looked back down at the book. The K did seem quite comfortable there. Why did I ever think it was a P? What an odd thing. I just needed my coffee. <laughs> what a comical slip. What an odd anomaly my thought. I had to tell Ellen. I opened my messages and went to click on the name that was usually in my most recent for text. Ellen wasn't there. Funny. I quickly scrolled back through my text messages, farther and farther and farther, until I reached the dark recesses of my phone, occupied only by spam and the stray ignored message. I reached the end. No Ellen. I went into my contacts to start a new thread. She wasn't there. It took me a few moments to realize my oh-so-foolish mistake. Why would I have kept her number? She hated me. After I had left her and taken that new job and hadn't talked to her since? I shook my head. I was overworked. The train lurched to a stop, and I stepped out and headed to the office. I scowled at the fresh pages of the copy of Though Dreams and Though Deaths I held in my hand and threw it in the trash can as I passed. I was so busy I didn't have time to read it. I'd been trying for 15 years. It was probably a terrible book anyways. All right, and complement each other, and there we have our <laughs> stories. Yes, um, Philip, I liked your story. Adam, I liked your uh, story. I well. liked the idea of her seeing these visions and looking at them and thinking to herself, "Is this a memory of my childhood?" Kind of a thing. Is this me? Is this someone I used to be? And um, I specifically like the line that you read me beforehand, where she says, "I think the girl." with the ringlets, I can't remember the color, is me. Where there's that uncertainty where she's seeing it and it's like she's disconnected from it. I like two things the most. I like how nothing is really answered because I don't really know what's going on. It's hard to come up with a concrete, finished idea in the space of time, in the, in the time that we have. Yep, it's true. But the other thing I like the most, other than the unanswered questions, the mystery of the whole situation, I really like how brave she is. Okay. Like, I just wrote her quickly. So Laura is just a teenager, and this really weird thing is happening to her. But she's taking it in stride, and she's just letting it happen and yeah. trying to figure it out. She's not afraid. Even yeah, though it's true. really, like, paranormal or... You know, it's weird. Yeah, it's it's very casual how she's describing it. Um, yeah, it, it was well done how you did that. And there's no panic in her voice. The first thing I would do if I saw images like that is go on WebMD and just be like, what's going <laughs> on? <laughs> but um, but she's way cooler than me. Um, was this just an idea that, that came to you or did you draw from anything for it? Uh, this idea just came to me as I sat down and started to write. Okay. Yeah. I, but funny enough, I have no idea what's going on in the story. That's kind of what makes it fun for me. Yeah. Because 
what I'm doing right now, which I love to do as a story writer, is I'm giving this to you guys. Right. I'm giving it to you, Adam, and everyone listening. And I'm saying it's yours to play with now if you feel like it. If this story comes back into your mind and you're like, oh, those were that was that was her as a little kid or that wasn't her. That was like, oh, that that was her great, great grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the other thought I had. She's a prophet. She's prophesying something that's going to happen. That's a thought I never had. That that little girl in the is actually Donald Trump <laughs> oh. <laughs> with his little yellow ringlets. Ah, <laughs> they they called him Donnie back then, and he's angry <laughs> that the Canadians aren't paying for the wall, and neither are the Mexicans. So, did you think it was purple enough? And when I say purple, of course, I mean were my pros. Like as descriptive and as imaginative as you expected. Um, probably not. To be honest, I think we both kind of dropped the ball on that. Like we both had a couple pretty good purple phrases, but it it wasn't really purple because I think purple is supposed to be like over the top. It's really, I didn't realize how hard it was to. I thought it'd be really easy to just write over the top purple, but I found it really difficult because it makes it. And that's the thing about purple. It makes it really hard to tell a coherent story when you're writing purple. Exactly what I was thinking. I, I want to say that I think you did a good job. We'll, we'll talk about yours. Writing an incoherent story? <laughs> Mine is kind of incoherent. No, 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 no. I like how this story turned out. I think it's a good story. Yeah, thank you. So one more, one more thing, Adam. Okay. Did I include a discrepancy in your mind? You did. Because it's open to interpretation is it's a really general rule. See, when I was imagining it, the discrepancy was it's people don't usually see random images flash in front of their eyes, but she is, which is a discrepancy with reality. Yeah, that's that essentially sense? that's essentially what, what it was for me. As okay, well. yeah. Um, I just wanted to make sure that was is because I knew that was our, our third rule and I wanted to make sure that <laughs> yeah. you agreed that I'd met all three rules. Yeah. Yeah. I met all three rules. <laughs> I win. Right. You get maximum points. <laughs> we should have a point system. We have a point system. You haven't been logging onto the point website to check oh, your standings. Is that the rules podcast.com slash the points? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't go there, people. It's not a real place. The rulespodcast.com is. All right. Should we move move on to mine now? Yeah, absolutely. Adam, I thought that your pros were delightful. Odd. I like that you use darkness as an idea in the very first line. That's a cool way to bring it in. Oh, it was a mistake. He was in a train. <laughs> I did the train tunnel thing, but I didn't write it. Oh, man, you didn't write it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And it's one of the things where I didn't realize until I started reading it. I was like, Frig, I just had that in my mind. I didn't actually describe what was going on. So at the very beginning, the very first line, he's in a train tunnel. And the next paragraph where it says light, I didn't do it well because I was too focused on writing purple prose, is him coming out of the train tunnel. And suddenly he has light. And then he looks over to see the woman he gave his seat to. It's a little confusing, Adam, obviously, because you (laughs) you meant to add something, but you didn't. But I just interpreted it. My own in my own way, which was once I got more information, it was like a mystery until I found out that his memory was changing. Yeah. And I assumed that he was just like blacked out. Yeah. That 
And that's the thing about it, too. That totally works. Because if he's experiencing blackouts and each time he has a blackout, something in his life changes, that oh. falls into the storyline, doesn't that, it? That's really interesting. It fits in a different way. Um, so I, I actually liked that. I didn't even I didn't even think of a train tunnel. Yeah. No, we, I'll edit this out and I'll just be like, yes, <laughs> that is exactly what I tried to do. Of course I did that. Um. I thought your description of the woman was good. <laughs> and I like the whole Berenstein Bears thing. Yeah. Which which I realize I'm not saying you directly stole that idea because it's not like a creative idea. It's just a concept that you put into your story. Yeah. And it's one I've been thinking about. Oh, man. On and off all, all the time. So I'm going to dive into this right now because I think about this all the time. How much do you know about quantum mechanics, Philip? So much. I know everything about quantum mechanics, <laughs> but you better explain it all just so know? everyone's on the same page as you and me about so, quantum mechanics. I know little. So, Philip, are you familiar with Schrodinger's cat? I am. So, Schrodinger's cat was come up with the concept to be able to tell people that in quantum mechanics, there's this very bizarre thing where I believe it's atoms can exist in two states at the same time. So, with Schrodinger's cat, and I'll describe what this is. Schrodinger's cat is a professor named, or some person named Schrodinger. So the way it works is, he said, if you put a cat in a box with a sealed vial of poison, and that vial of poison would open at any time, hence killing the cat, and you left that box closed, well, the box is closed, the cat is simultaneously both dead and alive, because either thing could have happened, and you do not know which, so it is in both states. And when you actually open the box, then the cat moves from being in both states at the same time and goes into one state. Now, I understand this minimally, and I'm pretty sure that this is how it works. And this is where the idea of parallel universes come from. That's called collapsing a wave function. And what happens is, as soon as you open that box, and let's say you open the box and that cat is dead, an alternate reality immediately exists where you open that box and that cat was alive. So when the wave function collapses, two simultaneous timelines start. Do you follow? Yeah, so there's the one that you're in infinite, and then there's another one. That's infinite possibilities at every moment for every person, for every thing. Yes. It's so fast. It's stupid. <laughs> but if you just look at it as being maybe life-changing decisions or things that would change okay. life. Just for the sake of this. So the idea behind this is um, the moment that this guy had the option to take the job that I mentioned, he could say yes or he could say no. And as soon as he said one of those things, he would collapse the wave function in two timelines, the one he was in and the one where he'd said the opposite answer. So the timeline we start out in is the timeline in which he said no and didn't take the job. <sighs> I was going to make it so that after all of this realization, um, the next part would be he gets up out of his seat and looks at that frail old woman that he made stand. And then this version of him is like a total jerk who the first version let this woman sit down and the second version made this woman stand. And he shoves past her. Yeah, I think as per usual, I say this with almost all of your stories, but I would love if you spent like another um, hour just writing on this one. Yeah, this almost feels like a uh, an episode of the Twilight Zone. Well, again, Adam, good story. There was Thank a you. lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed yours. I'm excited to do it again. Ah!
<laughs> this time we should do the whole thing in the basement. So thanks everyone for listening to the rules. Uh, this week has been produced by me, Philip Hall, and co-produced by me, Adam Ganon, and uh, music done by Adam Ganon as well. Good job, Adam. Thank you. Um, thanks for listening to our stories as per usual. We love having you along. It gives us a great platform to do this storytelling and uh, hopefully to entertain you along the way. Email us sometime. Email us. <laughs> tweet, tweet at us. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.